Father God, we pray um, for the sense of your presence here that you would excite our hearts uh, to reach a place they've never reached before. We pray today that um, blockages would um, get out, would leave uh, spiritually. We'd become more and more people of faith and fruitfulness. Uh, whatever's in the way, uh, we're willing to give it up in the next 30 minutes. Yes? All right. How many of you are going to go to 9 a.m.? How many of you are going to go 1045? How many of you are going to come back to church next week? Just wondering. Just, I'm just wondering. It just doesn't look good is what I'm saying. 6, 6 p.m., you're going to be here at 6 p.m.? Sorry, I got uh, there. We go. Too many gizmos on my belt. That's right. And to go back, go back to nightlife. Yeah, that was, that's what I got. Who said? <laughs> Quit encouraging rebellion. I'm gonna preach a sermon. You're gonna sit there and you're gonna like it. Shut up. I want to start with a huge, small miracle story. It's really weird, just a personal story. So several years ago, uh, Sonia and I uh, were going through kind of a tough time in life, but a really tough time uh, financially. Things were really tight. I mean, we weren't poor, but we had like zero dollars in our bank account. You know, we had a place to live and food and stuff like that. But um, my father had just died after a very uh, protracted uh, fight with uh, brain cancer. And that involved a lot of, you know, financial outlay, as those things often do. And, and one of the things that I do uh, during times when I'm grieving is that I, I make stuff, you know. That's like my rehab. I will build something or get into a, so anything creative really helps me. It's just the way that my spirit works. And, um, and also, uh, I grew up doing that with my dad, you know, just making things. He was an incredibly crafty guy. And so I was making some knives. Knife making is one of the things that I do. Uh, throwing knives, should you be tempted to mouth off during the middle of sermon. I was making some, you know, throwing knives, some really, really good steel that I had uh, scrounged up. It was scrap metal, but it was, it was good. And sparing you the details, I got into a point in the process, there's a whole process, where I needed some, of all things, duct tape. I needed some duct tape to kind of do this little piece that it would have been the most convenient thing for me to use. Duct tape. Duct tape is good for like anything. All right, if you have a if you have a pocket knife and duct tape, you're pretty pretty good. You can survive. You can survive. Um, but you know one of those big rolls of duct tape like eight, nine, ten dollars uh, at, at Home Depot. And we were at a point where it's like, well I mean I don't know. I've spent a lot of money on this project already. And, but that was kind of the season that, that we were going through. You know, we probably could have gone buy it. It would have been okay. I mean, you know, Jeremiah couldn't have had shoes. But it would have been fine. <laughs> it would have been fine. And I was on my prayer walk one morning. I like to walk when I pray. Uh, and we're living in Manoa at the time, the hills and the turns of Manoa Valley. And I was praying about this, you know, and I was praying for a specific thing. I said, you know, Lord, it's just really tough. It's a really hard time. And... Uh, I don't know. I know that you always provide. You know, I just, 
I just need a roll of duct tape. You know, I'm not asking for much, Lord. So it was like half complaint, half prayer. You know, you ever pray like that? I turned the corner, and in the middle of the street is a brand new roll of duct tape. I'm not making this up. That actually happened. Not making that up. And so I just stopped there in the middle of the road. You know, cars are going past me. It's like, that's a roll of duct tape on the yellow line. That's how I got the duct tape for uh, my knife making. Completed the project, and the knives are in my back pocket. <laughs> not really, not really. They're packed away somewhere. Um, so, weird enough, right? I mean, that's a coincidence. How many of you have ever seen duct tape in the middle of the road? A brand new roll of duct tape in the middle of the road. You could conceive of an explanation. Well, you know, a contractor was driving down the road and duct tape fell out of his window where he was holding it for some reason. You know, you could make up some kind of excuse, but the coincidence level is so atmospherically unlikely that I would probably call that at least a small miracle. Are you with me? Here's the thing about little miracles like that. If that can happen, then big miracles can happen, right? Because there, there's no relativity in miracles. If something is impossible, it's just impossible. You know, there's nothing else that's more impossible, right? Because once you reach the level of cannot happen, then everything is equal, right? Um, and so when I experience a small miracle like that, it should build my faith, not just for small miracles, but for all miraculous breakthrough, correct? Right? That's how it should work with me. Does it work that way with me? Probably not. Thank you. We've known each other for 25 years, and that's where you're going with that. So, no, Jordan, your faith sucks. Um, but she's right. It's part of the reason I love her, part of the reason I can't stand her. I, I have these things still in my heart, Biggish things, I call them big-ish because it would be technically improper to call them big, but which I consider impossible. Or I don't, I might not confess out loud that they're impossible, but I really kind of think they're impossible, right? I shouldn't, but I do. I've seen all sorts of miracles, some bigger. I've seen all sorts of diseases disappear, demons cast out of people, one resurrection, all, all, all sorts of like freakish things that are more impressive than duct tape in the middle of the road, but still, I have these things that I cherish in my heart under the category of, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Do you? So I want you to take 30 seconds, and I want you to think of something that, something biggish that you think pretty much impossible, that you have in the category of, yeah, no, no. You know, if I pressed you, you'd say, oh, yes, anything can happen, but you don't really trust in that, okay? So just 30 seconds. What's that thing? What's the impossible thing? Probably better if it's kind of personal. Could be global something in your life that you think impossible.
Everybody got something? You need 10 more seconds? Not a hard exercise, huh? When you stop to think about it. Here's my follow-on warm-up question. Why? Why is that in particular impossible for you? Right? Just what are the reasons? You know? Because it violates the natural laws of physics. Sure, that could be a reason. Uh, because that person would never dot dot dot. That could be a reason. Just whatever. Just come up with a what's what's your explanation for why it's impossible? Don't accuse yourself or anything. Just be honest. What's your explanation for why it's impossible? Just be honest with yourself. Okay, now if you don't come up with an explanation easily, let me rephrase the question a little bit. What specific thing would have to happen for that impossibility to not be impossible? What specific development or manifestation or breakthrough or change would have to happen to make that thing suddenly not impossible? See if you can think of something. Sometimes it's easy, well, you know, if the person is paralyzed, the person's legs would have to work. So that would be the breakthrough. Just, just, just make it as specific as you can. Are your brains warmed up? Your soul's warmed up? What we're doing here is we're fighting the fight of, of faith. Uh, you've identified, if you did that exercise successfully, a blockage, right? There's something that you think is impossible, probably it was something that you would like to be possible, right? But you think it's impossible, and there's something in the way, there's some specific blockage to it happening, whatever it is, a natural law of physics or a stubborn relationship or something like that. Uh, all right, so that's a blockage. And what I'd like to do this morning is to remove that blockage from your life, right? That's what we're gonna do. We're going to uh, make the impossible not impossible. Uh, which is something that you see uh, a lot in Scripture. You know, as we've been studying these past six weeks or whatever it has been. If the mountain is in front of you and makes the passage impossible, what do you do? You move the mountain. And Jesus said, that's a perfectly practical solution if you have enough faith. If the sea is blocking you, what do you do? Well, you walk across the sea. You part the sea if you're an Old Testament kind of gal like Mindy. Yeah, sure. The scripture says that both things are perfectly practical solutions uh, where, you know, the Lord is active and, and faith is, is plentiful. If storms are freaking you out and rocking your boat, what do you do? You can quiet the storm. You can ignore the storm. You know, we talked about defensive faith. Something comes against you, eh, you know, faith is a shield. It's not like it can actually penetrate your life. Faith is, is plentiful, right? Uh, if God himself seems to be in your way, careful with this one theologically, but if God himself is showing up and challenging you to keep you from your blessing, what do you do? Well, you wrestle with him. That's what Jacob did, right? Wrestle with him all night and do not let him go no matter how exhausted you get. And at the end of it, say, bless me. Right? That's what scripture says to do. I mean, I'm just being scriptural. Right? If the Lord looks you in the face in, in, your, 
impossible situation and says, no, I can't do that, what do you do? What? You ask again. You can always get table scraps, right? Remember the Canaanite woman? Jesus said, no, it's not time for that. And she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. She manifested faith such that it convinced him to change his mind. I'm just being scriptural, right? You can, you can twist that one around in your head theologically if you want. I'm just saying what the stories say, right? Because it turns out God is kind of a sucker for faith, you know? And what he's after in you is faith. And if you give it to him, sometimes it kind of leaps barriers, right? He's like, well, you know, I wasn't going to do that, but since you have so much faith, there, right? That's sort of the scriptural suggestion. You can just chew on that. If, uh, if your sin disqualifies you and makes you feel like, well, God wouldn't give me that. I'm not a person to be blessed. What do you do? You repent? Well, Jesus says, forgive someone else. <laughs> That's what Jesus says, right? Be very forgiving of all of the people around you, and then you, your sin won't be such an issue. It will be very easy for forgiveness to flow through your life because getting forgiven, not the issue. Receiving forgiveness is the issue. To be a good receiver of the blessing of forgiveness that's floating around in the atmosphere, forgive other people, right, so that it flows easily. That's what Jesus says. If one of you is sick, we read in James last week, I'll call the elders, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, period, full stop. That's just how it, we roll in church. That, that's, what, that's what the word says. So, you know, faith makes a way. The entire universe bends to faith. The entire aina, the whole material world, bends toward your faith, if you have it. If you have negative faith, it might bend toward that as well. Right? I think if you have enough negative faith, you could make the healthy person sick. Right? Uh, but if you have good positive faith, Matthew 19, Jesus says, with man that's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Luke 18, he says it very similarly. Um, what is impossible with people is possible with God. That's how he talks about impossibility. The whole Jesus story started with the angel showing up in Luke 1. Uh, and Mary's like, uh, got a problem with that whole reproductive uh, plan. And, and, and the angel simply says, well, nothing is impossible with God. Right? I mean, just, what's wrong with your head, girl? You got you to gotta fix your perspective. Mark 11, we talked about last week. What you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it shall be yours. Period. Full stop. That's the Jesus teaching. Do we believe it or not? You know, the believe that you have received it and it will be yours. In Mark 5, where Jesus was about to raise the dead little girl, he turned to the parents and said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Give me some faith to work with and, and I can take care of this problem that you have, which is a big problem, death. And of course, we're all banking that at the end of our earthly lives, our faith will carry the day. It's just that some of us don't invest in the development of faith while we're alive, <laughs> right? We think that the conquering death only happens then. Jesus makes clear, no, it should happen daily. And that's how it should be for us. Uh, but we concentrate on a number of other things, but we don't concentrate on making faith strong in our own lives. And I think that that's probably the number one 
Christian challenge. That's what we should do. We should all have huge faith muscle uh, and loads and loads in scripture about that, about this. But bottom line is, if that thing that you were thinking about is impossible in your life, if it is, it's only because you believe it's impossible. Fair summary? You guys know the, the Bible stories. You've read it. Some of you have walked with the Lord. Some of you have experienced miracles as I have. You think that's true? You think it's true, but do you have faith that it's true? And we want to develop that kind of faith. And, and what, I'm, what I really want in life, you know, from, from my ohana, is please stop telling me things are impossible. Don't do that. You know, however you might do it, uh, don't tell me that things are too hard. Don't tell me that things are too complicated. Don't tell me that we're too busy. Just don't tell me that. Don't tell me that we don't have enough resources. Don't tell me that the plan isn't realistic. Don't tell me that I'm too messed up. Don't tell me that my relationships are too messed up or I've made this mistake or that mistake. Don't tell me that the world is just too scary right now and, and dot, 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 dot. Don't tell me those things. You can tell me that the thing I'm after is unwise or ungodly, but don't tell me it's impossible. Don't. And I will do the same for you. Right? Because it's not impossible. And whenever we allow ourselves to think like that, in whatever way we allow ourselves to think like that, we are being non-Christian. More than that, we are failing the world. Just, just screwing up. And... Uh, and so I'd like to covenant together uh, to try and, and, and fix that. I'm so tired of things being impossible. And I'm so tired of having to shrug off a lot of static just to believe that they're possible. I just want to get better at that. And I'm really tired of thinking that with God things are impossible. I'm tired of thinking that God is against me. I'm tired of trusting him for duct tape but failing to trust him in the bigger things. You know, it's like he's not really opposed to what I want and if he is it's only because he wants more <laughs> and scripture teaches him that I can teaches me that I can convince him with faith anyway <laughs> right he's not he's not the problem that I sometimes think that he is that's why I love the story of Jacob wrestling with God or the Canaanite woman convincing Jesus to say yes even though he first said no awesome stories right it doesn't teach me to manipulate God. It just teaches me to love him. <laughs> what a generous guy. You know? um, in scripture, no matter what the situation is, faith always seems to make a way. Right? No matter what is against you, faith always seems to make a way. And we could probably catalog dozens of different Bible stories about that. Whatever the situation is, faith can get you where you want to go. If, if you're, you're good at it, it's not impossible. And if I could do one thing today, it would be to reach into your pretty little heads and just change whatever wiring makes you believe in impossibility. Right? Whatever you've learned, whatever we have learned, to make us think that things are impossible, I want to reprogram your software. Right? And just sort of take that category out of your coding. There's no such thing as impossible. There's, I don't know, smart and dumb, 
that there's no possible and impossible. Um, and I, I, I like to do that because it, whatever it is for you, can totally be done. Totally be done. You might have to fight for it, but the first fight of any fight is the fight for faith. Right? Faith is the first thing you have to fight for. And having won it, the rest of the battle is over. And I don't know, that, that's what I understand about kingdom living. It might be a hard battle, maybe, but it is the battle. And I just, I just want to make that point really clear. The battle is to make faith. That's it. Whatever you're struggling with, that's what you're really struggling with. That's what you're really struggling with. It's not a guilt trip. It's an invitation and an opportunity. Oh, I have a solution. Right? It's just faith. So let's work on that, shall we? Everybody clap once. Our text today is from Mark chapter 9. This is my favorite supernatural ministry story of all time. I use it whenever I do one of those seminars on supernatural ministry. Uh, you know, it's about the, the dad bringing the very sick, evil, uh, spirit-laden little boy to Jesus. And what I want you to pay attention to in this story is how Jesus makes faith happen. That's what he's doing. It's not that Jesus makes a miracle happen. It's that he makes faith happen, and then the miracle is easy. All right? So watch him. Uh, I like the Mark 9 version of it. It appears in Matthew 17 as well. But, uh, so uh, Jesus, uh, Peter, James, and John, they've just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. There were bright lights on the mountaintop, so people were kind of weirded out by that. And then they come down the mountain, and they come to a crowd that's arguing a lot and pointing fingers and stuff. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them, arguing with the disciples. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, I think because of the lights on the mountain, and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. I guess they were really screaming. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So we would diagnose that as like some really severe form of epilepsy or neurological disorder or something like that. I asked your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they could not. And here's how Jesus diagnoses the issue. Oh, unbelieving generation. That word generation just means people. Oh, unbelieving people, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So what is the problem in Jesus' mind? It's a faith problem. That's, he immediately diagnoses that. And then he says, bring the boy to me. Why? Well, he's trying to separate the boy from the crowd. Why? Well, because the crowd is arguing and being generally faith poor. So I'm going to get the boy away from that negative environment. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. So the evil spirit, not giving up, but digging in uh, when it sees Jesus because uh, Jesus is threatening, right? Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? I was like, wow, that looks severe. How big is this problem? Not an impossibility, just a problem. From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the water to kill him. Wow. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, how about a hand? How many of you ever said that to God? God, how about you do something? If you can, 
said Jesus. Everything is possible to him who believes. You know, good gender-neutral Bibles will say, everything is possible for one who believes. Same, same, don't get thrown off. Everything is possible. Okay, well, what's impossible? According to Jesus, nada. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, great prayer. One of the great prayers of all time. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Hey, anyone? Great prayer. The definitive prayer. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, the negative faith guys were going to screw it up, he rebuked the evil spirit, the deaf and mute, you deaf and mute spirit, come out, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse and many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, how come we couldn't uh, drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out uh, by, by prayer, in other words, through spiritual preparation, right? You didn't do the spiritual fighting beforehand that you needed to do. You just weren't in a good place. In the Matthew version of the story, he's very explicit. He said, because you lacked faith. And then he launches into, if you had enough faith, you could move a mountain, uh, which was one of Jesus' stock teachings. So in other words, you know, it was a spiritual thing. It was a faith thing, guys, and, and you didn't have your faith on. You didn't have your faith on. It was a tough situation because they were in a crowd, and when things started going wrong, the crowd started blaming and arguing and stuff like that. Have you ever been in a culture that was very angry and blaming and accusatory? Anyone? Anyone? Recently? Right? So what bothers me mostly about that culture is how anti-faith it is. You are not allowed to be confident because you suck. It's essentially what we're telling each other all the time. Whereas what we should tell each other is, even if you suck, give me some confidence and we can pull this off. That would be a much better Jesus message. He would say it more nicely than I do, but right, that's, that's what we should say. What do you think of that story? The crowd thought that assigning blame was more important than making faith and inspiring confidence in one another, as if that was going to help the oppressed child. Blame never helps the oppressed children. Jesus essentially said to them, you were focused on everything that was wrong. I'm going to focus on making faith happen. I'm going to try and get away from the negative faith. I'm going to provoke a little faith in the, in, in, the, in the poor father who must have just been stressed beyond belief, right? Can you imagine? And Jesus says, anything is possible for someone who believes someone who believes anything is possible. You know, what would you do if you were the dad? And this is a very honest dad. Oh, I do, I do. Well, I mean, I don't, but I do. Help! You know. Probably came out of him something like that. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And, and, and what Jesus does here is he manages the faith environment in such a way that suddenly what was impossible for his disciples become possible for him. His disciples were veteran healers. They had healed tons of people. But they didn't have their faith on that day. And Jesus is like, that's the problem. The problem is not that things are impossible. The problem is that you just don't have your faith on. Right? You didn't go on the prayer rock. You didn't find the duct tape. You didn't go to a church that really celebrates faith in you. You didn't worship together. You didn't put your heart in it. I love that line in the worship song. 
when we hear worship, you hear faith, right? All that singing and stuff is just an opportunity for us to get our faith on. That's why we do it, right? That's what we're exercising right there in a language that makes it easy for us all to participate together as one, the language of music, but that's all it is. You know, did you go for it, right? Did you take the opportunity as a faith ohana? All things are possible for him who believes. All things are possible for one who, who believes. Not only for the smart person, not only for the well-organized person, not only for the immaculately dressed person. <laughs> for anyone uh, who believes. And what I love best about this passage is that the great prayer that the Father gives, the great prayer. I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. I do have faith. Help me to have enough faith. Right? That prayer was not a prayer for healing. Right? He didn't say, please heal my boy. Instead, he said, please, can you help me get enough faith that my boy would be healed? You follow? Do you see the mechanism? Do you see how the Lord has designed the universe? That's how he's done it. And that's what we should pursue. Don't pursue the solution. Pursue the faith that releases the solution. That's what we're taught. You following? That's it. That's the magic. Pardon the word. It's a bad word, but you get the idea. Right? That's it. That's how the Lord has designed things, because faith is the point with him. It's the point. Because if we trust him, then all sorts of things work out, right? And so he's designed the universe where trust, faith, confidence, whatever word you choose, carries the day every time. That's the point in any situation. That's the battle of every battle, All right? Have I gone on enough about it? Everybody gets it? You following? Have faith in God because he's really good, totally cool, generous, creative, super wise. So that's why it's good to trust him but also make faith because it's not only justifiable, it's effective, <laughs> right? We concentrate on reasons to trust God, but we fail to concentrate on trusting God. Uh, Claudette uh, um, Springer in, in our congregation just wrote an article. Uh, is Claudette here today? She got worn out by a baby shower yesterday, I think, <laughs> if you were there. Um, she just wrote an article called Faith is a Verb. I haven't even read it, but she told me the title, and I think, okay, you're preaching. <laughs> right? But it, it, it's not, you don't get faith right by believing all of the right things, although that's super, super helpful. Right? You get faith right by making it strong in yourself, by exercising and developing your confidence, because, you know, any virtue takes a little work. So that's the virtue that, that we're after. It's not only justifiable, it's incredibly useful. No, it's credibly useful. Uh, I'd like to end by teaching you the power of the phrase, all I need is, is I think it sort of drives home the point of the morning. So let's say that together. All I need is. So I was talking to a friend uh, this week um, who's locked in an entrepreneurial struggle and trying to do this, uh, this huge project that costs lots of money. My friend doesn't have a lot of money. 
and uh, he was doing the spreadsheet tallies, <laughs> you know, and was short uh, of money. And he was like, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, and getting frustrated. And then he said, and I realized that I was phrasing it wrong. And what I needed to say was, well, all I need is, all I need is, all I need is. So he said, well, all I need uh, is $40,000. That's all I need. If you put it that way, it sounds rather reasonable, doesn't it? So all I need is 40,000 more, 40, more dollars, and I could probably pull this off. All I need is, is $40,000. Uh, so we were, we were talking about that, you know. And uh, he said that once I came up with that phrase, all I needed to do was to figure out how to put some faith on it. Isn't that cool? All I need is $40,000. Now, how do I put some faith on that? And he came up with a couple of things. Uh, one is like turn it into a prayer to God, right? The prayer offered in faith. He said, Lord, all I need is 40000 more dollars. Uh, I thank you for that. Fairly good formulation. I mean, you could, you could do it a different way, but that's really good. And then the other thing he came up with was just, you know, declarations. You know, instead of like praying to God per se, just saying, hey, universe, I could use $40,000 now. Uh, how about it? You know, that sort of thing. I am confident I will receive my $40,000 by my deadline. Now, does that, is that a good model or does that, does that seem shallow? And I don't care how it seems to you. <laughs> what I like is that the guy was trying to figure out how to put faith on it, right? The methodology and you don't want to be one of the teachers of the law that's arguing about, well, you know, I'm not sure that dots the I in the right way. Because there's nothing at all scriptural about that attitude. Right? It's just that God is good. I'm going to try and put some faith on this blessing. Right? Now, it might be a crass blessing. You know, it's like, oh, I want $10,000 for a great vacation. Bless you? I mean, you, you could... We could use a great vacation, maybe, you know, if it's been stressful. But it might be like, well, I need faith for a miracle. I need faith for a financial breakthrough in business. I need faith for my marriage. I need faith for my family and faith for my kids. I need faith for my church. And, you know, there's all sorts of things. But it's the same faith. So don't get legalistic in your head. Rewire. Right? It's the same faith. All I need is, so I'm going to give you... 30 seconds to think about how to finish that phrase in your life. Uh, stand up, uh, dismissed, in the name of Jesus, be blessed with all that is possible, which is everything by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Go be light, blue water. Go be light. <laughs>